This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday, it's the 21st of November 2023. And coming up today, we're upsetting podcasters and more on being blind. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, sir. Now, carpet in the kitchen. Good, bad, or not allowed? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Carpet in the kitchen. It's a tech show, honestly, but I'm having second thoughts. I've okayed it. Carpet in the kitchen. Our flooring's coming up in the kitchen. It needs replacing. I've gone for carpet. I'll admit it. Because I'm cheap. You said you okayed it. Well, as as the um, you know, the the, the man of the house, I've uh, mm-hmm. yes, I've, I've, I've <laughs> I'm going to try to keep my voice down. <laughs> yeah, please. I, I've I've okay. No, we had the, the <laughs> we had the flooring specialist round, and we've gone for carpet. I'm kind of regretting it. It just doesn't seem right to have carpet in the kitchen. It's not right, is it? It, it just feels very eighties to me. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Cutting edge of fashion and trends here. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm thinking more of how much I spill on the floor all the time. Do you know we we didn't use uh, kitchen tiles or carpet in our kitchen. <gasps> we we decided because of ex- this exact reason. Yeah, sawdust. <laughs> well, not far away. You could argue. Um, we used bathroom tiles. Oh. Oh, so that's not very exciting, Stephen. I wouldn't know the difference. What's the difference? Well, bathroom tiles are better at soaking up water because obviously, if you come out of the shower, your feet are wet. Mm. So you know you want to that you know it'll whisk away mm. the water. Um, or okay. wick away the water. I think is actually the word, not whisk. They you don't want whisking. They soak up water. They do. Well, they, they soak uh-huh. it up better. They, they can deal with it. So that's what we did. We put that in our hallway. We put it in our kitchen. We put it. Obviously, in the bathrooms as well. Your old house is just a bathroom. Basically, it just we've basically just turned the entire house into a big wet room. How much do you spill? <laughs> a lot. I gotta say, I filled a cup up yesterday, and I missed the entire cup. I ran out of water before I realised, and then I noticed all the boiling water trickling down my legs. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I don't know how I felt everything, and I still missed it. I know. I'm the same. I, I've got this water cooler that I got during the lockdown. And it's one of these ones, they they brought them out for home use. So it's like, you think of those water coolers in the office with these huge big plastic bottles that oh, sit yeah. upside down on top. Oh. Well, it's the same idea, but it's half the size. Yeah. So the bottles are just half the size. It's about 11 litres of water per bottle. The whole purpose of it is to cut down on the use of actual plastic bottles because these all get recycled. Look at me, Mr. Mister. I'm for the planet over here. You're a hero. Um, I, I know I am a hero. Thank you. I was just trying to get to that button. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, so that's in. And, you know, thank you. That's quite enough. But no, the thing is that these, uh, you know, what you do is you put the bottle of water under it. You know, you've got, I've got one of these little metal bottles. I put it underneath and I'm filling it up and I'm listening intently for the water oh, filling yeah. up. You know, you know that you, you just... The MVDA progress bar. 
But you're listening and you know, right? You know it's getting near the top. So it's a little game I play with myself every single time. Yes. Yeah. And you're listening for it. And people say, how can you tell? Because I use my ears. Yes. But anyway. And I get it wrong all the time. Yes. I always get it wrong. So the water is pouring out of the machine because it's overfilled. So there's that. And then, of course, to add insult to injury, I've got my coffee machine. I was telling you this last week. I've got the coffee machine in the office. Uh, just sitting on top of this little IKEA unit over here, and um, you take this this uh, uh, what would you call it the the dispenser if you like or the water holder for the unit out of the back of the machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump. And yes, yeah, yeah. And you take it into the bathroom or wherever to fill it up. I'm not filling it out of my water cooler. I'm not made of money. <laughs> yes. So you know, fill up the, the 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 little jug and carrying it back. In a week, I'm back and forth to this thing quite a bit. And I guarantee you about six times in a week, I will be walking forward with this thing in my hand and I'll bump into a door and, uh, that, and yeah. the water inside it just ends up everywhere. I believe a sloshing is the, uh, the, yes. the incident there, a severe sloshage. Um, yes, <laughs> our houses are mainly swamp-like, aren't they? <laughs> Basically, yeah. There's not much left. Just dripping water down walls, <sighs> coffee stains. I actually, I had a, a period of time, I was a little bit obsessed with fruit bread. I think this is an international dilemma, mm. uh, what fruit bread actually is. Um, it, it's bread yes. with raisins and, and other things in there. Can't name any other fruit. <laughs> no idea. There's, I know there's a raisin in it. Uh, and other fruits are available inside this. And uh, I love it, but the problem, and I love it with butter, and it's really nice, but there was a period where I was getting a little bit obsessed by it, and my wife wasn't happy. She said, cut back on this fruit bread. You're eating way too much of it. Uh-huh. Um, and she said, also, I'm a bit sick of the butter everywhere. Oh, yes. Yes. Everywhere you turned, there were globules yes. of butter. Yes. Stuck I- to light switches, door yes. handles. Yes. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> Buttering is a, it's a, it's an art. There's, a, there's, it is. A, there's, I don't know what it is. It's big lumps of butter all over the worktop when I've finished. <sighs> anyway, let's let's get on with the show. <laughs> Soaking wet butter covered homes. <laughs> it's quite an image we're, we're uh, giving here. Are, are we helping this, the disability community? Way to can represent. I, can I just check in on this? He'll check in with the. No, Mr. F says no. Uh, he says uh, no, not not happening. Sorry. At all. Um, listen, we've been upsetting people as we do. Uh, doing this show, and look, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the Mike Calvo interview, which we'll get to the feedback on that. Spicy. That was, wasn't it? That was good. It was you can listen to the whole thing again. DoubleTapOnAir.com if you want to go and listen to that. And don't forget all our content's available on there as well. Uh, but yes, um, we've been upsetting people, in particular on another podcast. Oh, no. There's a podcast out there uh, that is rather upset. Not so much, well, a little bit with us, but maybe more so with the fact that one of their hosts... Oh. presented with us. <gasps> and we're talking about Janine Stanley. Janine Stanley, who's from Ira, of course, but also has her own fedora. Um, she will come on and she will join us. And she came on with me. She came on with Michael Babcock and Damasi Thomas on our special Scary Fast Apple event review. That's right. And was very good too. And uh, Brian Fischler over there at That Real Blind Tech Show. oh <laughs> I mean, you know. He calls it that by name, and we we just let him think it's what it is, you know. Um, So, you know, he's welcome to his opinion. But uh, (laughs) he has, um, he's not been too happy about this, and and he echoed those comments 
on uh, the recent episode. I'm playing you. I think this would be classed as a bootleg copy <gasps> of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip of this just to give you a, a bit of an insight into the, the kind of nonsense we yes. have to put up with here at Double Tap. The first topic has to do with traitorous behavior. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not under contract. I'm a free agent, baby. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, a certain member of That Real Blind Tech Show, who will remain nameless for the next few seconds, appeared on our friend's Double Tap. And it wasn't that Janine made an appearance there talking back instead of coming to New York City and laugh for sight. Yeah, I know. But the other people you're on, they mentioned like all 36 podcasts they're on, <laughs> yet no mention of that real blind tech show. No, That's no, 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 no. Steven did mention that real blind tech show. I didn't he hear did. it. Yes, I mean, he yes, he said Janine, a regular on that real blind tech show. I heard him so, say yes, she's with Ira, but not with Ira tonight. Oh, it was at the end. That's why you didn't hear it. It was at the end. Oh, well, nobody listens to the end. <laughs> I know. know I know. Why would you ever listen to that, right? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I never hear from them anymore. So, uh, Stephen, well, and what's the other guy's name? Sean? Sean. Sean. You know, that other guy? Yeah. That other uh -huh. guy. Yeah. The gloves are off. The marriage is O-V-E-R. <laughs> Moving forward, your That Real Blind Tech Show nickname will be Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I feel so bad. Oh, poor Janine. Oh, I know. Now, Stephen, did you mention that real blind tech show or did you edit it out? Well, you know there's no editing. So oh, that's I'm true. I'm absolutely yeah, convinced that we did say it. I am pretty sure I did. I actually have no memory of whether I did or not. Uh, but I think I did. And if not, well, look, I couldn't give you any more of an advert than that. So there you go. Um, I feel so bad because, Brian, we, we WhatsApp occasionally and i i always we're hopeless aren't we we're i hopeless. always forget to get back to him i'm so sorry check them out it's a fantastic show god bless you, you brian people ask me people ask me all the time right what do you listen to right because we do this show and people listen to us and that's very kind um and and i'll have people say to me what do you listen to i listen to them yes <laughs> that's the honest truth i listen to those oh, two no, no, well, there's four because there's loads of them on there but wait. there's ed and there's brian and there's allison and there's janine janine sometimes david can, this week as well can, can i just say actually i'm taking all that back that other guy the other one well, mm. also, well you know they knew, they knew my name so i was okay with it no, to be no. perfectly honest ah very good we're very, very sorry, Brian. It won't happen again. Janine, you're back. Sideshow, Sean. Um, <laughs> yes, Janine, you're always welcome back here. You will be called a traitor on our show. Mm -hmm. We love That's you. That's Brian Fischler. Well, yeah, gloves are off. Gloves are off, pal. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, honestly, great show. Go check it out. It is well worth a listen. You will laugh. And he mentioned Laugh for Sight, actually, uh, which is a fantastic event he does. Yes. And, you know, Brian is, is a... It does such a great job with this because the money is for, or I think it's for, is it for charity? Is he pocketing it or is it for charity? I don't well, know which one it, which he says it's it for charity. Who ah, knows? He says it's for charity. Okay, so no, who he, knows? He does right? a great job. It was amazing. <laughs> it's a really cool event. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, uh, thank you for the <laughs> thanks for the promo. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, listen, uh, let's get into a couple of messages. Lots of you have been sending in your messages, and uh, negative Julian has got in touch, and uh, he has a question for us, Sean. Hello, Laura, Stephen, and Sean. 
guys, I think that the time has come when you really must recommend a memory training course for us blind folks. As things stand, if you try to feed me just one more brilliantly useful keyboard shortcut, (laughs) I'm sure my brain will explode. Do you have no regard for my mental health? (laughs) Not to mention the ghastly mess an exploded brain will make all over my keyboard. Regards, with a throbbing headache, Negative Julian. Oh, sorry, Negative Julian. Hang on, are we apologising for being brilliant? Uh, Apparently so. I'm trying to Mm. think what the keyboard shortcut was. It's just so many. I mean, we we talk about so many of them. Talking Mac a lot recently, haven't we? So, Mm. mm, mm, mm. okay, sorry, we won't do it again. No more tech information at all. No more tips. No more. That shouldn't be too much of a push for us, actually. (laughs) Yeah, we should be be fine with that. (laughs) Look, we just spent the first eight minutes talking about wet walling our homes. (laughs) So, you know, I think I think we can rely on the fact there's not going to be much tech news coming up. Okay, well, look, uh, thank you for that negative, Julian. But actually, this is a thing as well, and it kind of goes back to that point about all these different commands. You you just can't know them all. And I love it when I learn a new command, but what I love most is when someone says to me, well, you didn't know that. I love when people do that to me. I I honestly feel that should be what we call the commands segment on the show. (laughs) What, you didn't know that? Yeah, of course, if I knew it, I wouldn't be saying, wow, this is amazing. I got to say, ChatGPT is quite cool for that. If you're unsure, you can ask. And I'm not going to say it's 100% because I've seen, funnily enough, on social media recently, in, in some of the blind groups, I've seen people ask questions and some people will post chat GPT says and post what it has said. Mm. And it's completely wrong. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally wrong, but uh, it's always picked up on obviously by the other comments, but um, for keyboard shortcuts, I've asked a few times, what's the keyboard shortcut in NVDA for this? And it has come back and told me. So um, it's a, it's a quite a nice little resource. Yeah. It's um, it, I, I kind of, I think the problem is it's always trying to describe what it is you're trying to do. That's, I think, where the challenge is. You'll sometimes sit and think, I want to know how to do this. And sometimes it's easy. You can sometimes figure it out. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, I must admit, I'm spending so much time on the Mac, and when I go into that um, numpad commander and I'm playing around and I'm seeing all the different options that I can set as keyboard shortcuts, I'm often blown away at the amount of options, and there seems to be a lot more. There's a whole thing now on 2D Braille. I don't even know what that is. Ah. But there's a whole section on 2D Braille and, you know, increase thickness or firmness of Braille. And I'm thinking, what? Is that for Braille displays? Is that a thing? I, I have no idea what that is. Hang on. 2D Braille would be Braille without depth, wouldn't it? So is, does that mean I don't, I don't fl- get it. flat Braille? I, I'm not sure how that would work. Well, that's, <laughs> that's very interesting. No, I, I actually, my ears picked up on that when you mentioned it last time we was talking about the numpad commander. And you mentioned mm. 2D Braille. And I thought, I have no idea what that is. That's very interesting. Someone it's will new. know. It's come in in Sonoma because I've never seen it before. Um, I like pressing. I like doing the keyboard, uh, um, the keyboard help command on whatever screen reader, and mm. I will just go through holding the modifier key and going A B C and listening to what those yep. those combinations that keyboard shortcut does. It, the trick is trying to remember them, as Julian said. It's trying to <laughs> yeah. remember. You always go, oh, I didn't know that one. That's really interesting, and then. Instantly, I forget. Well, I know that Jaws is doing this through this month. You've got Shark Vember, very good. Um, and sh- through the month of Shark Vember, they're issuing a new command every day. But, you know, it, it was interesting because I was watching the next big thing um, event last week. And part of the, the conversation was around, you know, this uh, one of the, the finalists' ideas was the Jaws gym I was telling you about. And, um, 
someone said, yeah, this is all great, but wouldn't it be good if you could build it in with all the other keyboard commands? So not just JAWS specific stuff, but actually things you can do with the computer with existing key commands, because there's a lot in there. You know, again, it's it's always this assumed knowledge that comes with this That's stuff. That's true. You know, like, oh, you just, you, you just know. But, you know, if you're coming to this later in life, or even if you're just dabbling, you wouldn't have a clue about half this stuff. I still pick up keyboard shortcuts today. I've been using mm-hmm. Windows for years and years and years. I still pick up new things I did I knew nothing about. And sometimes, rarely, I will say, but sometimes keyboard shortcuts do change system level ones. Uh, yeah. For example, Windows C used to be to bring up the Teams chat not long ago, and now it's to bring up Copilot. Yeah, so they've changed that. We didn't talk about um, Microsoft Ignite. I <laughs> This is the first time... I've ever watched an event and thought, this must be how my mum feels when I talk about <laughs> technology. Because I had no idea what was going on. And you know what was making me laugh was the fact that they were they were sort of saying, and we've just brought out this thing called Fee 2. And everyone's like, woo! And I'm thinking, what is that? What even is this thing they're talking about? It's an and extra charge so for something. It's the second yeah, and this fee. Was all, this was like, <laughs> yes, it's fee too, but it's back and it's personal. But, you know, the thing about this is, you know, this event, this particular event with Ignite, well, first off, it was audio described. Well done, Microsoft. Yes. Keep that up. Um, but also it was really, I think this was kind of super, you know, developer geeky. Uh, in the sense that, you know, they were talking to people who weren't just developers, although I think very much so in the, in the world of development, but also people who were creating uh, or needing to use what's called Azure, which is their cloud. They call it the world's computer. I actually like they did that because I have no idea what Azure was. Yes. Um, but it's basically all the servers and all the things that make up the capability of Microsoft 365 and all their services and That's right. everything else. You, you forget that there's a huge backbone of, of work that has to go on to just make everything work. Yes. Um, so it was interesting to learn about it. The, the biggest announcement I think that came out, there's a few, but the biggest one I think that came out for me was the announcement of new chips that they're bringing out, ARM-based chips for the Azure servers, right? So the servers that they have inside these big servers in server farms, um, that is where you know they're going to put all this stuff. But they said this will be available to consumers next year. So that tells us that, it, well, at least it suggests to me that that is what Microsoft are doing. They are going to go down essentially the Apple route. They're going to develop their own chipsets for ARM-based computers going forward. And, of course, yeah. we're all waiting to see what Microsoft does in this field. Now, Microsoft Still waiting, is, yes. Well, it's a bit different for Microsoft, right? Because I think what Microsoft are doing is closer to what Google's doing rather than what Apple's doing. So what Google and Microsoft tend to do is they kind of show you what the, the possible is through their hardware. So the Google Pixel range, the, even up till recently, the Google uh, Chromebooks. Um, they'll show you what the capability is, and then they will allow their third-party companies to try and get up to speed with that. Yeah. So yeah. the Lenovo's, the Dell's, the whoever. Um, and I think that is probably what we're likely to see, that what we're going to see is the capability of a, an ARM chip inside the device, whether or not that will be available to third-party developers, I don't know. I'd like to think so. Um, but it does seem as if it's mm. moving towards, because look, let's be honest about it. The one thing that's kind of missing in the whole conversation, if we're talking one computer versus the other right now, is that the, there's a missing piece in this, which is that Apple have gone so far ahead with silicon, and it has changed the whole landscape on Apple computing. 
I mean, you know, we, we had the conversation between Mark Aflalo and uh, Patrick O'Rourke from Mobile Syrup at the weekend, and they were talking about, you know, the new MacBooks. And Mark was saying, I've still got a base level Mac Mini here I'm doing 4K video editing on with 8 gig RAM on it, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't need the M3 MacBook Pro as much as it's lovely and it'll do lots of great things. I don't really need it. Well, I, and I'm, that's the point. Whereas I don't feel we're there with PCs, right? I feel we're still. I still feel these computers are lagging behind, I, and I hate to say it, but it's stop down it. to Intel. Don't say it. But it is. It's down to Intel. I, I think another huge difference is that Microsoft are so entrenched in enterprise and business that they. they it's just like trying to what was it? Turn an oil tanker or something? It, it, they've got to do it yeah. so slowly because they can't leave. They can't just say, right, that's it. Bang, we're moving over to ARM or Intel-based x86 uh, architecture is now gone because basically so much of huge businesses would just collapse and fall over. So, But ARM is the future. There's no doubt about it. But the way how we want our computers to work is exactly how we want our smartphones to work, as in instant boot up, going mm-hmm. to sleep, power management. It's just amazing. But it's it's, uh, it's a difficult road. But yeah, I think Microsoft are probably going down this road. But but. But during Ignite, I think those chips especially were more targeting AI. That was that was their point that that they're um, for the managing the AI demand in their server farms. But um, yeah, it's definitely the way Microsoft are going to go. It's just how long does it take? We've had Windows for ARM floating around for the longest time. Yeah, I mean, look, the way to think about Ignite, I think, is it's like, you know, we're all waiting for a bus and, you know, someone comes along and says, hey, a new bus is coming. It's really cool. It's autonomous. It's got, you know, all these fancy features. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And then the conference about the bus is really the engine and how the the thing will actually be functional and how the 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 internals work. It's not really about the the, the look and style. It's not like they were no, showing no, no. off any hardware that we would actually buy as consumers. But it, it, yeah, you're right. These processes are being built as the backbone to enable faster, more responsive computing that we won't really think about. We'll just do. I mean, I was talking to my father-in-law about this the other day. He was asking me, you know, I, I was telling him that, that this stat which came up, and I remember we had Robin Christofferson on the show a while back talking about the, this amazing stat, which always surprises me when I hear it, and that is that a Google search is the equivalent of boiling a kettle of water. Yes. He was talking to us about the, you know, the economy of essentially of and, and the environmental impact of, of internet. And um, I never thought of it that way. But of course, when you think about the chain of events that lead you to type in something on Google and then the result coming up in front of you, you just see a response, but you don't realize the amount of background work that's going on and the huge infrastructure that's built there's there's in some nordic companies they use the heat generated from these server farms to heat you know swimming pools and even homes there's mm-hmm. that much energy produced by these huge bank of computers that are constantly running for us to say you know what's the weather outside um <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's incredible yeah. it's mind-blowing so that's what these servers and that's what these processes are all about but a consumer version of this, I mean, it kind of tells me something, right? It tells me the capability of these chips. Obviously, very powerful, right? So can you imagine that inside a Surface Pro? I mean, that would blow it away, right? It would, it yeah. would blow Apple out of the water, and that would be interesting. This is what I'm interested in. How good will these be in consumer-level products? They'll be paired back, obviously, but 
because the, you, you know a computer would need that level of power. But the point is that you would have the capability to to do that, and I think that'll be really interesting to see. I think next year, we're I, I think if if I was to predict anything for next year, I'd say we're going to see a real rise in the use of ARM processors in Windows machines. Yeah, and I think that will be an interesting time. Of course, for those of us who've been playing around with Parallels on the Mac or VMware, we're already those of us on the Silicon side are already playing with windows oh, on right. arm okay. and you know the, these people that tell us me like you that say it's not accessible it's absolute garbage it's fine it's, it probably behaves better than a well, regular well, pc because it's not as we accessible. all know as we all know the best experience of windows it's on a mac I, I can't argue with that. I ran Windows on my Mac Mini for years and years and years, and yeah. it was lovely. It was great. I find it interesting. You're t- that's the takeaway from the Ignite um, event. You're taking away the new chips rather than mm. the Bing chat being renamed to Copilot for Bing. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that huge announcement. Yeah, I couldn't care less about um Wow. Well, okay. I mean, I don't, I, I'll be honest, this whole Copilot thing. I'm I sick feel- of it already. I know. I, I just. I. I suppose in a way, I don't really understand it. It's like so. I was sitting the other day doing something, and I'm thinking, why can't I get AI to do this? You know, sort of menial tasks. And I think everyone. All I hear about are, are people saying, "Oh, my AI. You know, it checks my emails. It sends messages all over the place for me. Tidies my emails." And I'm thinking, okay, but how do I, how do I get that? <laughs> I don't understand how it's not all this for works. you. It's not for the likes of us. No, Stephen Scott. I, I. I think that's there's, there's Look, going to become a disconnect here, even amongst well, the techies. I, I think this is all very foundational. This is putting the systems in place. You look at Copilot for Windows. I can't do anything with it. Basically, it's just like Cortana at the moment. But once it does start to bed in, and we start getting access to those extensions and plugins, AI uh, plugins. Then we're going to see some exciting things. At the minute, it's just too early. They're putting it in place. But I agree. Basically, at the minute, it is just like having Cortana back. But um, wow. I, I think it's going to be quite impressive. Um, let's move on. Andy got in touch with a question regarding uh, my little mixing console I have here. Hi, Sean and Stephen. Firstly, I'd like to say thanks so much for the podcast. It's just so refreshing to find normal people talking normally to one another about blind stuff. How dare you? Too often the conversations (laughs) are very sanitised and safe, but I really enjoy your approach. The reason for my email is you mentioned a couple of days ago that the Rodecaster Pro 2 is fully accessible. I looked at this a year ago and it didn't seem very accessible at all. I'm trying to decide between Rodecaster Pro 2 and Vocaster 2. I know the Vocaster is safe and accessible on PC and Mac, although it doesn't have any of the cool features of the Rodecaster Pro 2, but wondered if you could either let me know as a reply or perhaps do a feature you keep promising on how you put the podcast together. Um. I think lots of people would enjoy that if you could find the time and were willing to give away all your secrets. Lol. (laughs) I had to put one of those in there just in case Laura reads this mail out. (laughs) Thanks for any help you're able to offer, either by reply or on the show. Take care, Andy. Uh, thank you, Andy. Um, so You're in trouble, I think. Um, well, a couple of things I want to pick up on yeah. that. Uh, I, I, I haven't done the episode of how we do the show yet because yeah, I kind of felt are people are people want to hear this. Um, sounds like you do. You do, Andy. That's for sure. So um, okay, maybe maybe we should do this. I, of, I often thought it might be just be a little bit too specific, but yeah, and yeah, I don't mind. Whatever. I mean, we can do it. I, I'm happy to talk about it. It's, it's an interesting topic. Um, but as for the Roadcaster Pro, yeah, unfortunately, Andy, maybe I've been picked up wrong or maybe I've said something out of turn somewhere, but the, the Roadcaster Pro, unfortunately, is not an accessible device for someone who's blind. You will always need sighted assistance to use it. Now, that's not to say that once it's set up, once you have it up and running, I actually don't touch my Roadcaster Pro 
at any point during the day at all anymore, actually. Even even the, uh, well, the thing I probably press is the mute button for my microphone. That's probably it. But everything else not just remains. The, there's a couple of things. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, not enough, no. Um, <laughs> just got that. Thank you. Um, but, you know, it is a great system. It has a huge amount of capability. Um, I wish I could play more with it, but you do need to have a level of vision or the ability to see it with a magnifier because, of course, it's a touchscreen interface. You're reliant on that. Or you would need to be able to get Ira on and talk you through, but it's quite an intense piece of kit, and it's gotten way more uh, capable in the Roadcaster Pro 2 version, the Roadcaster Duo as well, and there's the Roadcaster Streamer X, which I also use as well. And I use that for video because um, I wanted a, a 4K video capture card with audio. And it's the only one you can get that on at the moment, at least that I'm aware of. Um, but again, the software is not particularly accessible. You'll always need some kind of sighted assistance in order to use a, a number of the functions. Um, there have been a few changes over the years, but the problem is that whilst the features they've brought out are, are really good and they make an element accessible, for example... If I recorded a show using the Roadcaster Pro 2, I would be able to uh, now get those files off the drive without having to use the Roadcaster software, which is a nightmare. It just displays as an external drive. But to get to the external drive, you've got to use the touchscreen. So you have to be able you have to go into transfer mode uh. and then that turns it into an external drive. So that's the problem. Uh, and for those that don't know, the Roadcaster Pro 2 is a mixing console with a number of channels. It's got the ability to assign hotkeys, and you can connect up to four microphones uh, on this one. You can have four headphones. Kind of built for a four-person podcast, a four-person in-person podcast. But those functions can be used for lots of other things as well. So, I mean, obviously, Sean and I connect on Zoom or on CleanFeed or Riverside or whatever we choose to use, and we do the show. Um and we show up on channels, but I can also, and this is the bit I love about it, because it's a multi-track mixer, what that means is I can connect this to my computer and in all the individual channels and all the individual faders, if you like, they are all available to the computer. So when I use a program like Loopback from Rogue Amoeba, which is 100% accessible, bit fiddly and tricky to learn. I mean, you do need to know your way around these things. But once you've kind of figured out the basics, and Damasi Thomas, actually, who presents with us from time to time, he, he does a great series on this. Um, you know, that would be a good place to to go in and learn about it. But you, you can essentially take those channels and say, for example, I could just dedicate my main microphone that I'm talking into as a microphone channel. And then when I go to Zoom, for example, I know that the only thing that's going to Zoom, the only thing that's going to the other person on the Zoom call is the microphone. So when I've got my voiceover running, when I've got other music playing in the background, doing something else, I'm, they're not hearing that back. So, you know, there's lots of cool things. But you mentioned the vocaster. And Focusrite has done a great amount of work, by all accounts. I haven't got a Focusrite Vocaster, but my understanding is, I think Michael Babcock's got one, and he loves it. Uh, similar thing, it displays all the individual channels to the mixing uh, capabilities of Loopback. This is all on the Mac, by the way. Um, you can do that. You can expose all the channels, and then you can basically route them whatever way you want. The PC, though, Sean, that's where the tricky part comes in. Um, mm. because they haven't done a huge amount on the PC. There's not, it's not as easy, it would appear, on the PC to be able to get access to those channels to, to manipulate them in the way you can with Loopback. No, it, 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 it's definitely a lot more 
cumbersome to do. I, I, on the one I've got here is a multi-track mixer, the Soundcraft, is it 12? MTK 12 or 24? Yeah. I can't remember which. Um, 12, I think. But it's got 12 individual faders, but Windows only sees it as a group of two. So I've got fader one, two as one input or output device. That's it. So it's it's not as flexible and definitely not as flexible with software such as Loopback, which is absolutely incredible, by the way. But um, going back to, to Rode, though, honestly, this kind of does irritate me. This is the perfect prime example of where a companion app, which would mirror exactly the settings that are on the device, you could easily make that accessible. That would be the perfect solution to that. Uh, making the actual hardware itself with a touchscreen, making that accessible would be, you know, far harder than a companion app if that was possible. But, you know, we we should be able to use this stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it could be that difficult, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's not that complicated a setup. Um, no, it's purely the interface. It's just inaccessible. A touchscreen with yeah. no, no, uh, no speech output whatsoever. It's um, frustrating, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, Focusrite, Vocaster, they have, uh, Focusrite have done a lot of work to make that particular product more accessible. And they made quite a lot of noise about that when they brought it out. Uh, not so much so for their other products, it would appear, but certainly for the Vocaster products, for sure. And there's two flavours of that. There's the single option and the dual. Um, and what you can, I think it's called Vocaster 1 and 2, but one, essentially one microphone input on one of them with a headphone output and you've got outputs to speakers and things like that. And it's like a, an audio interface. It's not really a mixing console. It's, it's an audio interface, but it's built yeah. for podcasting. Uh, ideal for what we do. I mean, we could do a show on one of those easily, right? Because we don't really need any more than that. Yeah. Um, I should maybe tell my bank that as well and then just say, no, you know, don't. I, I, I shouldn't spend any more money <laughs> on anything else. But um yeah, I, I would probably have gone down that route had that been available over the roadcaster. The, the Vocaster 2 has two XLRNs, so it's more for a dual-person interview. Uh, the reason I got it was because when, when I got this at the beginning, I was doing a lot of shows um, on the move, and that was the problem, right? I was trying to be able to record easily on the move, and, and I could literally plug in four microphone headsets into this device. I didn't need to hook it to a computer because it has onboard recording, so I could just plonk it down, hit record, and talk. And then because everything's recorded in multitrack, I could sort it all out later. And it works so, so well. The times we've used it, it's been fantastic. Ideal, you know, ideal. It's just getting the audio off of it can be a challenge. Um, but again, you know, the good thing is that if I was at an event, I'd have someone with me. So it's not, it's, it's not the solution we want. We want to do it independently, and I get that. But um, yeah, so basically, we are where we are. Andy, I think we're saying Vocaster, if you're looking for accessibility. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. Uh, listen, stick around. We'll take a break. We'll come back and get more of your emails. This is Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Lots of you getting in touch with the subject of blindness. We've been talking a lot about that over the past couple of weeks. Pete has been in touch. Laura, once again, reads our emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Thanks for opening up a really interesting and helpful topic. These conversations are really beneficial. I can remember back to the Saturday editions of Blind Guy Talks Tech having so many oh yeah moments. <laughs> for most of my life, I have been partially sighted and hell-bent on covering it up. 
not always successfully. I had around 10% vision in one eye, but it was clear, and I was able to manage well without a cane. As I live on a small rock in the channel, I was sent to boarding school in the Midlands. Commentary, and yes, how many comments did I get? Of course, surrounded by people with various levels of vision, I felt normal. The first real sight-related kicking I had was when I left and went to work. This was the late 80s, so computer terminals were shared and usually involved me sprawling over someone's desk to peer at a 14-inch screen. Watching people leaf through paper ledgers to find someone's account when it took me absolutely ages to do the same job. I was offered assistive tech, although other than a magnifier, I absolutely declined because I didn't need that stuff. I was offered braille at school, but said no because I was not blind. When I finally agreed to use assistive tech, it was 2014 and my sight was starting to go. The difference in getting work done was night and day. I was given Dolphin Supernova, and just having Word Echo on while typing saved my back, yes, still hunched over the desk, and made me so much quicker and more accurate. That meant that after complications from an eye operation just before Christmas 2019, I was already confident using voiceover and took to PC-based screen readers easily. I recall just after New Year 2020, sitting in the living room saying, right, no more hiding because I can't hide being blind. So I called RNIB work and said, I need JAWS and the all clear to come back. They really thought I would not be able to continue my job, but happily I can still do it. The relief of not having to pretend to be sighted, to avoid the questions, and have to take the view that you take me as I am because I can't waste time caring if you won't. I was already a cane user, but again, now I didn't know if I was being stared at, and ignorance was truly bliss. If I can't see it, it's not my problem. The upshot of all this waffle was that I didn't really fit because I was not fully sighted, but not blind either. Now I fit. I'm blind because I have no useful vision. I can see some colour in good light and light and shadow. I can count lights to find my desk. People sometimes flap if I look like I am lost and the simple answer is I take the human pinball approach. I bounce off surfaces until I get to where I need to go. <laughs> I'm fairly sure my near-phobic attempts to hide blindness in my 20s and 30s were also about trying to find a partner. My wife made it very clear that she didn't marry my eyes, she married me. She often tells me that your eyes are just a small bit of you, so don't give them more than they need. Concentrate on being the whole you. You are not blind, Pete. You are Pete, who happens to be blind. If I had my time again, I would like to hope that I'd accept my poor vision, take all the toys I could get, and be happy to show this does not stop me. I learned Braille during the pandemic, and, and though I'm not quick, I can probably still read quicker than I could before, given narrow field of vision and only one working eye. Not having your brain cut in half when you try to find the paracetamol when you wake up with a wicked headache and need to switch on the light to find the right pill is worth it in itself. <clears throat> Thanks again for raising this. I love tech, but these topics are important, especially for those still trying to accept their vision. Kind regards, Pete. Yeah, thank you, Pete. Um, I don't know what to say to that, to be honest. It's just so, I relate to so much of that. It's yeah, a really nice same. email. Yeah, and you know, it's it's one of those things we always debate it, don't we? We always talk about you know how much should we we lean into this, but I think it's important because yeah, the tech is good and the tech is fun, and we'll always have fun talking about you know as well, the tech's important as well. You know, it, it does help us a lot. Well, yeah, it does, but you know, it has. I would say that the tech impact is more of a social impact for us. You know, personal impact. You know, if someone gets a new phone, right, they just go, yeah, it's a new phone. Woo, yeah, app stuff, subscriptions. Um, you know, that's great. But you know, <laughs> who says that? 
Okay. Well, it's after I'm kind of I'm kind of running through the years on that one. Yes, it's like yes, you know, yes. this is something that cost me <laughs> a fortune. Um, but you know, for us, it's everything. It's access to all of the stuff. I mean, can you imagine trying to do all the things we used to try and do mm-hmm. and yeah. couldn't access? I mean, I remember. And I'm sure you will all remember this, going to, as, as we used to call it, the, you know, the ATM, as I think is its official title, but we would call it the cash line machine when I, when I grew up. Yeah. And um, we'd go to the cash line machine to get a statement printed out yes. on a piece of tiny paper yep. in tiny print telling you how much was in the bank. And, you know, that was the only way, I mean, other than going into the bank itself and waiting in the queue and speaking to someone. And banks were like airports back then, you know, they were huge and, you know, <laughs> you'd go in and wait and you'd get a cup of tea and a, you know, a nice sofa, sofa to sit on. It's very different today, but, you know, really nice. But, you know, all that just took time and effort and a lot of work, whereas, you know, people could just walk up and get that now out of the machine. And suddenly it was this big thing that technology had changed everything. But technology didn't change anything for us at that moment. It didn't change anything for me. I still had to get someone else to read that. So the technology goes so far, right? But it's it's what the, the technology, when it's when it's done properly, can achieve for us, and yeah. it has a much more personal impact, I think, than just oh, you know, a great feature. You know, it's way more impactful. I mean, look at Be My AI. Look at the take up. Look at the conversation of online. You know, well, it just I- it just changes everything in a really positive way. You know, it just just makes us feel more. Did I say it? it just makes us feel more human? Yes. And, and these conversations, uh, technology aside, these conversations are important. They affect us. And honestly, this 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 show does feel like a good place to have these conversations. I, I feel perfectly comfortable having this conversation with you, know, you and our listeners. And the, the feedback, I get as much from our listener feedback as anywhere else. I think it helps me accept who I am. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And it's kind of ironic that this conversation came out of someone telling me in their community that I wasn't blind enough to be, you know, part of it, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that that has, the result of that has been such an open and frankly, very open con- uh, conversation between us all to, to share our experiences. And I think it's just really important. It's just really important because the, this this is our life. You know, it's it's like um, when I went for my job interview at RNIB, I was, I was going for the job at the radio station. And someone said to me, oh, that was, a, that was a good line you came out with. That was a good line. And they thought I was making this up. And the line was, you know, I'm not a listener to this. This is my life. Mm, yeah. And they were like, oh, that's a great line. And I'm like, it's, it's not a great line. It's, it's the it's truth. It's line. That's perfect. Yeah. We'll use that yeah, in the yeah, PR. That on air. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, 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 I'm not making this up. You know, yeah. this, is, this is my existence. You know, if you work in the field of vision loss and you're sighted, I mean, the best one in the world, you know, you do it nine to five. You get in the car at five o'clock, you drive away, you move on with your life, you forget about all of that stuff till the next morning. That's no harm on you, but that's the truth of it. Yeah. You know, I don't. You know, I, I remember once in the UK, you get access to work support and I would I would get a taxi to uh, to work every day. And it just made life so much easier. So you would get a taxi to take you to from your home to the place of work and the, and the, the government grant essentially pays for that. And... Um, I got a call from, as I used to do, you'd get a call from the access to work people and they would say to you, um, we're just checking, I'm just querying this particular journey that you did. And she said, um, I'm querying why you went from, from work to the cinema after, after you were finished. <gasps> because, you know, we only pay to get you to go home. 
And I said, yeah, but I said, the problem is I'm going home and I have to find my way to the cinema and it would just be easier to just go straight to the cinema, right? And she said, oh, but we don't do that. And I said, you've got to understand something here. I'm blind when I leave work. My sight doesn't come back at five o'clock. I'm still blind. Mm. So that journey that I took was to make my life easier. Now, look, if, if you don't want to pay for it, I'll pay for it. I don't care. But the point is, you know, don't get this idea that somehow my sight just switches back on like a light switch at five o'clock when I'm done my work. The same problems exist for me outside of work as they do in work. And that was a wake-up call for her a little bit because she was like, actually, do you know what? That's a good point. And in the end, she didn't charge me for it. She said, it's okay. But I actually, it didn't bother me if I had to pay for it or not. I didn't care. It was just easier to do it that way at that moment. Yeah. Because you know what? Sometimes it's just, it's like, oh, you're bending the rules. No, do you know what? It's just making my life easier. Yeah. That is making my life easier because why would I want to go to the hassle of having to go all the way home to then get another taxi or another motor transport to take me all the way back again? It's all about I can go five minutes that way and it's done. That's what anyone else would do. It's all about the spirit of the rules and not you know if you're not taking advantage, like it's uh, you know double the 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 time it would take for you to get home to go to the cinema, then it's absolutely right. It shouldn't be an issue, right? It was well, look, I, again. I don't care about that. And if they'd said to me, "Well, look, I get it, and we to- we totally appreciate that," the, the issue wasn't really the the cost or the or the paying of the the car. That wasn't the issue. I, happily, would have paid that. That was not an issue. The issue was almost a suggestion of, but you know, all we do is take you to work and back, and that's it. Almost as if, well, that's all you should do. Do you know what I mean? It's like our lives are just going a place, yeah, but, going back a place, but, and that's it. And everything fun. You want to have fun? It was it was the twenty five visits to the uh, KFC that <laughs> yeah, the drive through they, they sort the of flagged it up. <laughs> they got a bit annoyed at that. I think yeah, that was that was maybe a little bit unfair. Uh, Jordy Frank's been in touch. Hi, all you tappers. I've been listening to all the comments about blindness and have found them interesting to say the least. Can I add one of my pet hates to the mix? Last week, I was listening to a well known broadcast from an organisation for the blind. As part of the programme, there was a slot about some blind people that had been invited to see the new film about the blind girl, and I think it was called The Thing I Can't See. I've not watched the film, but believe it is very good, and the part taken by the blind girl was very good. It was nice to see an actor playing a disabled person who was actually disabled themselves. As part of the programme, some of the participants were interviewed. As part of the programme, some of the participants were interviewed. One of the people was asked what she thought of the AD, and how blindness had been portrayed. Her answer had nothing to do with the film, nor the AD. She started to give a rundown of her sight loss. Let's not forget, we are people and not a walking medical problem. If every disabled person gave a rundown of their medical conditions before their name, well, the mind boggles as to what non-disabled people would think. When I am asked for ID, this usually will include a passport, utility bill or a driving licence. At that, I will bend down and ask my guide dog if he has my driving (laughs) licence. I sometimes get a good laugh or a dumb look from the cashier. It can break the ice. People don't always look and definitely nearly always miss out on the cane or dog. That's all from me. Regards to you both, Mr F and of course Laura. Frank, from a very cold Tyneside in the northeast of good old England. Oh, I know you're feeling, I know exactly how you're feeling there, Frank. I'm freezing, as are you in Manchester at the moment, Sean Priest. Yes, I've got the heating on in the shed because it's, uh, yeah, bitter. But that that whole, it, it still amazes me. You know, the, the, we're the visually impaired ones. The amount of people that, that don't see a five-foot white stick in my hand or don't see a guide dog, it, it blows my mind. I was uh, in my modern studies class at school, um, and there was a poster on the wall 
and the posters in it and always stuck with me. Always stuck with me. Couldn't tell you what the picture was, but the, the words on the poster were, many have eyes but do not see. And that stuck with me for the rest of my life because <laughs> yeah. I could always think back. And every time I was having a bad day, I would think about that poster. Many have eyes but do not see. And it's so true. So, so true. It is. Um, and that's you could, you could say that in a lot of that, that you know, philosophical discussion on the, that whole thing. I always yeah. remember the one with the tennis player scratching their behind. Oh, yeah. I wonder why that was. <laughs> Who was he? <laughs> I'll never know. Andre Agassi? Boris Becker. Right, let's move on quickly. They were they were tennis players, weren't they? I I, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I used to watch Wimbledon with my grand. That's, a, that's the only thing I know about. The uh, only time I know anything about tennis was watching Wimbledon, and I, I used to love it, but I had no idea what was going on. That's like cricket. Okay. No idea. It's just yeah, it's nap was time it? for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got all personal today. What's happened? I don't um, know. Sorry, it's a tech show, honest. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know. I think that the whole thing about, you know, listing our medical conditions, it's so funny, right? Because I'm with you on this, Frank. I mean, not only is, is there no point to listing the medical conditions, it doesn't actually tell you anything. This is the bit about this. And I find this in the blind community especially. Because if we were to talk to each other and I said to you, so I have optic nerve hypoplasia, which means my optic nerve wasn't formed properly. I've got my nystagmus. That's always fun. i got uh, photophobia and colour blindness mixed in. So that makes um, colour pointless and bright lights horrendous. Um, and of course, when you couple that with the nystagmus and the optic nerve issues... Yeah, it's just a right royal mix of fun. But that doesn't actually really tell you about my day-to-day experience because if you had a, an expert here, someone who was an expert in eyes... <laughs> whatever <laughs> they're called. <laughs> whatever the name of those people are. Um, then, you know, you you would be in a situation where you'd have them say, well, actually, Stephen, your, your sight's okay. You've actually got reasonable sight. They would tell you that. Yes. But that's not my experience. That's not my... And uh, look, I know what I had when I'm in my 20s, so I, I can compare the two. And what I had in my 20s compared to what I've got now is significantly different. So... I don't understand It doesn't that. always help the, the cause. No. And, you know, again, you could ask me that question at six o'clock at night. Like, right now, it is, you know, as we, as we do this, it's quite late at night here. And... It's dark. Now, I don't know. It could be actually not too... I think it's quite dark, actually, because time has gone on. But, you know, it's at that point where you, you go outside and you, uh, there's nothing. There's no useful vision here at all. No. Some might call it night blindness, but it's, it's ultimately there's just nothing there for me at all. There's no way I can see. In some ways, I actually prefer it um, when it's completely dark like this because <laughs> just, 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 there's nothing I can really do about it. No. Um, instead of trying to peer, you know, do that thing where you peer and you try and see what squint you're doing. Squint at and, life, yes. Yeah, squint at life, yeah. new podcast coming soon. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think listing medical conditions doesn't ah, We don't help. say that. To, all we need to say to each other is, do you need guiding or do you need any help? at any yeah. point that, that that's it we don't need to go into medical conditions because it's as you say it's just not helpful uh, i want to play one more this is from uh janine are we allowed to play this in but we get brian fischler on uh, sorry brian in touch with us uh yeah m- m- mr the new mr f, <laughs> mr. f. <laughs> he's the new mr f uh okay so janine's got in touch to also uh contribute to this conversation hi all This has been a great discussion about vision and the level thereof. 
I've had to let go of a lot of snarky attitudes over the years surrounding people with all levels of vision loss. Having been everything but fully sighted along my journey, it's pretty rich of me to think some of the things I have. Sometimes, though, it's very difficult to hold off the snark. It's hard, for example, not to resent the partially sighted person who can read regular print or see details on people, then point them out to you. This often happens when in residential settings like blindness rehab or guide dogs class. It's also not good to make fun of that same partially sighted person when they can't figure out how to do something at night outside because it's dark. For me, as a partial, it was light that made things difficult, but pick your poison. One thing that I do take issue with is when someone, in the most helpful spirit I'm sure, does a video or article about how to use software X while blind. Then it's clear from the demo that though the person might use a screen reader, the demo is very visual and they tend to use their vision and magnification tools. Rather than saying blind, which implies no usable vision, be honest. Tell people you are using visual and non-visual techniques or exclusively visual techniques right up front. I'm not picking on anyone specific here. I'm just saying that what happens is that developers and others see you doing these things, using software, evaluating products, etc. blind, and they think that the thing is accessible. Heck, that blind person on YouTube can do it. The reality may be that the software doesn't work using screen reading only and requires some visual input. I like to know that going into a piece of software especially. So, if you are doing a demo or reviewing something, tell people right up front whether you're using your remaining vision or not when performing the task. A good example is Stephen's demo of QuickTime Video Player for Mac. He noted right at the beginning that it was a strictly non-visual demo. Okay, I feel much better now. I'm all for celebrating everyone whatever the level of whatever they happen to be at. I hear sirens from the grammar police, so we'll go now. (laughs) Janine, who is not laughing at you most of the time. (laughs) <laughs> oh, amazing. thank you janine yeah yeah that, that's such a such an interesting point actually and it's a conversation we're going to be having with someone on on the show very soon on this uh very topic actually because uh, someone who got some heat online shall we say for uh, bringing uh, even daring to bring up this point it's actually a really important point and it kind of um it's a tricky one isn't it because you're trying to not deny anyone the right to identify how they want. I mean, you, know, you and I will identify as blind. Some might argue, and, and some have argued, that I shouldn't call myself blind by the whatever de- definition they decide. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it comes to that difficult one of, yeah, but when you're sharing information publicly to people who don't really understand this stuff, how do you, how do you identify then, and can that have an impact on your what you're you're saying to people and giving perhaps the wrong impression so that's a tricky one that's a really tricky area because you're kind of getting into personal identity mixed with you know the best way to present yourself so that you represent other people and i know we don't like talking about it that way but if you're a public figure you kind of have to think about it that way so it's balancing all that up. For me, it's pretty straightforward. It, it's split if, if you're relying on a screen reader or you can use your whatever remaining usable vision to get a task done. Some people, though, would use a screen reader with, with vision. I mean, there's loads of people do that. I mean, they would use it maybe like, I know friends of mine who would do this, you know, they would do like the, the kind of part-time screen reader. I did it as well for a long time. You would use a screen reader because your eyes were getting tired. So you would use that, but yeah, yeah, you would but still it, have it, the, the vision to do something else when you you know your vision was was better that day but if you're if you're demonstrating something then you know if you can do it with a screen reader or you can't or you need to do it with your eyes and there's no other way i think there is a distinction there 
And, and, and it wasn't, it was kind of intentional that I did it that way with the QuickTime demo because I felt it was important for people, totally blind people, to understand I was talking to them, to you. Uh, you know, I yes. wasn't, you know, this wasn't Especially something. when it comes to video editing because we just assume there needs to be that visual aspect to actually doing it, editing it. We're back tomorrow with more conversation on this and lots more as well. Sean's going to be talking about Be My AI with Microsoft. Big announcement there, of course, last week. We'll be demoing that tomorrow and more. Sean, catch you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.